No? Yes, can you hear me? Alright, cool. How you guys doing? My name is Dwight. If you haven't heard, everybody's screaming my name. Uh, <laughs> I am a recent May 2018 graduate from the Norfolk State University. Bold side. Uh, now, alright. <laughs> and now I'm at Old Dominion University uh, studying in grad school. Uh, and I'm a part of the amazing campus ministry. So give them a hand for the service so far. So I just want you to take a second. You can close your eyes, you can keep your eyes open, it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know how you know, imagination works for you individually, but imagine fear inspired by a detachment of Roman legionnaires marching into a village. The ground rumbles beneath hundreds of thousands of soldiers armed with swords, shields, and armor as they move down a street. The entire unit just moving as one and not one soldier thinking about his own individual movements, but he's in unison, moving as a single entity. Alongside, riding on a proud steed is a centurion. He's in charge of this fleet. Distinguished in attire and character. He is one who has worked his way up through the ranks by merit into a position of trusted authority. And seasoned by battle and enforcing law in hundreds of villages throughout the empire, his eyes are filled with a deep knowing. He has a charge and a duty to carry out and is little moved by the opinion of any human spirit. Now, everyone in the village, they're hiding, they're taking refuge because they know that outside is the final battle of a civil war that has been happening within an empire. Julius Caesar had just been murdered in cold blood and many revolts and battles within the empire have taken place up until this point now. Octavian and Mark Antony had their thousands of, of, of army men and they, they were armed with swords and shields and they, they were ready to fight and you, yes you, Think about yourself. You, on the other hand, you're serving alongside of what's left of the remains of Brutus and Cassius' army. <laughs> but here's the catch. See, Octavian and Mark Antony, they were loyal men to the Roman Empire. But you, now the men that you serve and the men that you fight for, they have betrayed their people, their government, and their leader. You fought the battle with all of your might, and then you lose. And not only do you lose, but you lose the respect of your former countrymen, family, friends, and the list goes on and on and on. Now defeated, you expect you and your family and your loved ones to become slaves to your victors. But instead of slavery, you're given grace. They allow you and a couple thousand other retired soldiers that fought against them to settle in this town of Philippi, while others go back in Rome. What a surprise and an act of kindness. Like, you are now free and forever indebted to your saviors for bestowing their grace on you and your future. And you serve your new leaders with zeal, compassion, pride, and integrity. But you feel guilt. You feel shame. Why? Because you're a traitor. 
you betrayed your loved ones and the people that you used to serve. But there's news of a new king who offers more grace, love, and mercy than you could ever even imagine or fathom. And you want to know more. Well, let's talk about freedom. The title of my lesson today is Be Free. Join me in a quick word of prayer and we'll, we'll jump right into it. Father God, I just want to thank you for bringing everyone here today, God. And I just pray that everyone who hears the word, including myself, as I'm speaking, is convicted, God, and compelled uh, to you, God, not to any other things, God. Uh, Lord, I love you and I thank you in your son's gracious holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So the title of my lesson again is Be Free. Very simple. Two words. Be and then free. I only have one point that I'll kind of like reiterate. <laughs> And that one point is, you have real chains, but Jesus endured your pain. You have real chains, but Jesus endured your pain. So, I'm reading now the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Some of you may have heard this before, but double dipping. <laughs> so, Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 16 through 40. And I'll read, uh, once... When we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She, was, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. So just a little background. Uh, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. These guys were going about spreading the gospel, as apostles do. Uh, so they stumbled upon this town, Philippi. Uh, and it's not just any ordinary, regular town. Uh, like I said earlier, this town is filled with retired military men and also other people. But the main population of this town are retired men from the war. So imagine a town full of 5,000 people, and 3,500 out of that 5,000 are retired Navy SEALs, Marines, and Green Berets. <laughs> I just think about that. So everything that they have been taught and learned is still lingering in their minds, even though they are retired. You know? So they're in this town, they're spreading the gospel, and out of nowhere, this girl who's possessed by a demon uh, formerly known as Python. Everybody knows about Python. You can do more research uh, yourself, but it's basically like this, this demon that allows her to tell the future or tell fortunes of some sort. So her owners, they use her for money. So she follows Paul and, and is shouting, hey, these guys are the servants of the most high God. <laughs> They're telling you the way to be saved. So off rip, you think like, oh, that's, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Well, you have to think about this. Romans, they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't know who Jesus was. They believed in little G's, like gods, many of them. So in their mind, once they hear, these guys are servants of the most high God, they're thinking about, oh, these guys are servants of Jupiter or Zeus or Apollo or whomever else. So Paul is like, no, that's not, we aren't servants of your made up gods. No, we're servant of the most high and the only God who created your little gods. You understand? Uh, so time goes on and they get really annoyed. And Paul's like, you know what? I'm done. 
I can't do it anymore, Timothy. I, I just can't. I just can't. Seriously. I gotta be, I have to say something. And Silas is like, Paul, just relax. And Paul's just like, you know what? No, no. You know, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command this spirit to come out of you. He condemned the spirit, not the girl. So the spirit comes out the girl and picking up back in the scriptures of verse 19, it says, when our owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. So <laughs> three things happen. So one, these guys get upset because their money's gone. Personally, I would be upset too if my money's gone. <laughs> but two, I'm sorry, <laughs> two, they, <laughs> my mouth was dry. I my money. I forgot my water got to be me. I was looking for it and I found it. But uh, yeah, so one, their money is gone. Their source of income is cut off. And two, uh, what they're accustomedly known to practicing and worshiping are these gods. They're not used to hearing about one God and the only God. So it's unlawful for them. It's like, no, what? We, we, practice, we, we worship these gods and then we also show respect to Caesar. Do you not know who Caesar is? Augustus, do you know what he did for us? He allowed us to stay in this town. And now you're telling me I have to worship some other god? No. That, you're, you're speaking crazy right now. So what do they do? They snitch. <laughs> Their money's gone. It's like, you know what? These guys are, are, are causing an uproar in our city. And now, you know what? You're going to pay. Since, since we have no more money, you're going to pay now. So they go to the magistrates and they're like, these guys are Jews and they're saying things that are causing our city to go into uproar and they're doing unlawful things and then they get thrown into jail. So picking back up in verse uh, 22, it says, the crowd joined an attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jail and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. So not only were they snitched on, they were punished, severely punished, not just like your ordinary beating, like you get flogged or you get whipped because you did something bad and your mom caught you and now she's spanking your bottom. Like, no, these guys were beaten probably within an inch of their life. You have to think about when Jesus was beaten, he was beaten to almost an inch of his life, but there were some limitations because he was Jewish and they were in a Jewish town and they have certain customs, but they were in a Roman colony. There was no mercy at all. And remember how I said like these guys are pretty much like Navy SEALs, uh, Marines, Green Berets. So everything that they have been taught since they were born, because they were bred, these people weren't just like randomly selected, like you, Thaddeus, you are coming. You, Thaddeus, you are coming. It's like, no, like... They were bred since birth. So everything that they were taught was how to manipulate, how to torture, how to withstand torture, how to kill, how to not be killed. This is all that they're thinking about, even though that they're retired. So they were punished severely. We don't know if they were beaten to an inch of their life or if they were just slightly beaten. But the scripture says severely flogged. <laughs> so just think about severely like, they might be crawling, like, afterwards. 
you know? And then they're put into prison. And not just any regular prison, but in an inner cell. So this place is probably dirty, filled with bacteria and viruses. It's out of this world. There's probably somebody dying already in the cell. Probably somebody did die. So you have the smell of decaying flesh, probably not eating much of anything. And then the jailer, on top of that, puts you into stocks. So you can't really move. So not only did you just get flogged and punished, but now you're even in more torture and more peril. That's crazy. All because why? They are preaching the gospel. So I just want to know, like, the gospel that we preach, is there an uproar in our office buildings? Is there an uproar when we're in class? And in no way, shape, or form am I saying, like, you go out and look for conflict. That's just foolish. What I'm saying is the God that you stand up for, is he being noticed in your life? Or is he being undermined by your pride? Or your image? Just, just really think about that. Is this the God that you serve? And I'm not saying that you're going to get flogged, but you will receive some backlash. You will receive some criticism. You might be the office Jesus freak. Or you might be that kid who just talks about God all the time. And nobody wants to really be around. You're, you're the weirdo. So... Just think about what Paul and Silas went through. So continuing in the scriptures, it says at about midnight, uh, that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's just crazy. (laughs) At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and there were other prisoners listening to them. So not only were they praying and singing to God, other people were listening and chiming in. They knew what Paul and Silas had just went through. Because if you're in jail, you see other people coming in jail because there's nowhere other place for you to go. So you see like, oh, man, I wonder what they did. They're probably being dragged, bloody, hungry. There's a whole bunch of different variables that are going on with these two guys. And they're like, man, (laughs) they went through it so long. But at about midnight, they start praying and singing hymns. That's crazy. They've just been severely flogged and hurt and punished for talking about Jesus. And now you have the prisoners that have been in there for who knows how long. They start to chime in. And I just think about, man, these guys are in chains, like actual chains. For, for speaking about Jesus, that's really convicting. But they're not thinking about the chains. Yeah, they know the chains are there, but they're not really reflecting on the chains. Because the scripture says at about midnight, Paul and Silas we're praying and singing hymns to God. And I, I know for sure, this is how it went down in my mind. So Paul and Silas, they got in the jail cell. Paul is kind of like, you know, freaking out. And Silas is kind of like the peacemaker because he doesn't really say much. So I'm, uh, he's probably a, a mild-mannered person versus Paul who's just wild and rambunctious and will talk and do anything. So Paul's like, man, bro, we just got whipped. And Silas is like, I know, Paul. I know. It's okay. And Paul's like, no, it's not okay. Like, this, what? This is crazy. And Silas is like, this happened to Jesus too. Remember, come on. It's okay. And Paul's like, you know what? You're right. You're right, Silas. All right. Let's, let's pray. That's a great idea, Paul. <laughs> let's sing too. Man, I don't really like singing. I don't have a good voice. God doesn't care about that. All right. Fine. This is what happened in my mind. <laughs> So they start singing and praying and other people start noticing. So my question is to you, what they, 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 well, not my question. So they understand the liberation and the freedom 
that the gospel offers. They weren't free physically, but in their minds, nothing mattered. They understood that God had liberated them. He, he had freed them. He had scorned their shame. So my question to you is, what can hinder our understanding of the liberation of the gospel? What are your real life chains? What has flogged you severely? Is it a single parent home where you either grew up in a single parent home or you raised a whole bunch of kids by yourself? Or is it a divorce where you and your ex-spouse are fighting constantly to, to settle this and you have kids involved too so it makes it that much more harder? Is it a mental illness that, that fluctuates your hormones in your brain and then makes you think depressing thoughts or makes you severely anxious all the time that you just can't control. You have to be put on medications and all these other things and you have people telling you it's going to be okay and like you don't know what goes on in my mind. Is it an unstable household or upbringing? You know? Is it finances? Finances for everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're adults and you know finances is hard. If you're a kid, you kind of don't really see it that much. You, you're living it, but you don't really understand, you know. Is it school? I know school for me, Lord. <laughs> peer pressures for the teens and campus, even adults, too. We, we succumb to peer pressure as well. Is it a physical disability that inhibits you from doing the everyday task that we take for granted? Is it racial prejudice? That's really huge, especially right now. That's a sensitive topic. But here's one that's going to really make you... Is it false teachings? See, the Romans, they, they were so accustomed to thinking a certain way because they grew up knowing this. I obey gods. I've never obeyed one single god and gave my all to one god. But now you have people coming in your life telling you, like, no... This is all fake. Let me show you what is real. You feel shame and disappointment. I feel none of that. I feel joy. I rejoice. But you're so stuck in your mind, and once somebody comes along to you and tells you, like, hey, like, do you depend more on your preacher or do you depend more on God? And it's like, whoa, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm far more older than you. Or you're way younger than me. Like, I know more. Oh, so you know more about God than God himself. That's crazy. So you figured it all out. Wow. Show me. Because I haven't been seeing it. That might, be, that might be you. It was definitely the Romans. They had a problem with it, which is why Paul and Silas were in jail. But when they were in jail, they were praying and singing hymns because they knew that the gospel had freed them. I think about some people... Uh, I think about this sister, she's in a campus minister, her name is Nikki, Nikki Dwyer. Yes, Nikki is amazing. Uh, when I think about her, I think of Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9, where it talks about, you know, whatever is good, whatever is holy, whatever is righteous, think about such things. And, uh, I mean, I've talked to Nikki, so she doesn't mind, but Nikki, Nikki is physically impaired. Like, she, she, she has a physical disability, and she's going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And it's hard for her to do 
every average everyday task that we take for granted, like brushing our teeth or putting on our clothes or feeding ourselves. And the thing is, her condition is getting worse as time allots. And that's heavy. <laughs> like she, she can't stand up. She can't participate in certain activities that some of the campus guys do. I mean, some of us uh, in campus do. And that's, that's her reality. These are her chains. But even after the service, or whenever you see Nikki, I challenge you to have a conversation with her. And it will sound and seem like she just got off of the mat of the US Olympics and she just killed the most amazing and crazy floor routine that the world has ever seen. <laughs> By hitting somersaults, backflips, side twists, butterfly twists, everything, all of that. Why? Because she knows that she's in real chains, but she holds on to the gospel. That has freed her. And that's amazing. It's really inspiring. Like she, we did the campus ministry internship this past summer, and uh, we were on the same team, Greenies for Life. And it was crazy because we were on campus, and she was sharing, and, you know, it was really hot during the summer. So I'm like, man, I'm tired. This is me dragging my feet. Like, seriously, this is hot. And all you hear is like, that's, <laughs> that's the sound that her wheelchair makes. But... While you hear the you see somebody standing next to her, or she's like following people to talk to them and spread the gospel. And I'm over here complaining that it's hot. She's like, nah, it's whatever. I mean, yeah, it is hot, but I'm still going to go share my faith. And Nikki, you're truly an inspiration. Yeah. These are her chains. She's chained down physically, but in her mind, she's mentally stimulated by the liberation that the gospel offers. And then I think about people like me, where sometimes I want nothing to do with the gospel because I'm in so many chains. Like last semester, for instance, my senior year, I crashed my car. That's one chain. I got to graduate. That's another chain. I'm in grad school now, so I'm worrying about that. That's another chain. And then I have the campus ministry that I have to look after and, and help out with and all these other things. That's another chain. And then I have whatever else going on in my life and the chains around my head. So I'm literally like this all semester. I'm like, God, oh my goodness, what are you putting me through right now? Are you serious? This is crazy. How dare you, God? What are you doing? I've been devouting my life to you and you're going to put me through this? Are you serious? You know what? We're done. I'm going to stop reading my Bible. I'm going to stop praying. I'm going to stop fasting. I'm going to stop getting advice. I'm going to go so close to the edge where I know where I used to live my old ways that if I want to return back to you, I will. I'll get that close. I'm like, I'll go back. Because I feel a little better. But I, I have to fight to not be content with what I can do. I have to focus on what God can do and already has done for me. And that's very, very difficult for me. And I've been following Christ for almost four years now. And it's, it's been crazy. And it's been a roller coaster, but it's been the most rewarding and amazing experience that I have ever been through. And I'm extremely grateful. And you'll read later on. I mean, we'll pick back up in the scriptures uh, in, in verse 25. It says, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken at once. All the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up 
And we had, when he had saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. So we see that as Paul and Silas are praying and singing, there's an earthquake that shakes the whole foundation of the entire prison and everyone's chains come off. All the jail, uh, jail doors open. Now, if I've been in jail for quite some time and I have a chance to leave, best believe I'm leaving. I'm not staying. But we see in the scriptures that nobody left. Paul says, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Which means the people that were in there before them were still there. But why? Well, the gospel. They knew everyone else was in chains while they were in there, but yet they hear people singing and praying to a God. Remember when he wanted to know more? Now you're going to learn. Oh, I'm in real chains, but with Christ, I'm liberated. I have no shame. I have no guilt. And the jailer, he, he was given a second chance. He was given a first chance after he had betrayed his country. Because he more than likely did. He betrayed his country and now he was able to live in this town. And he was given grace by human hands. But now he hears and sees an opportunity to receive grace from the being that created these human hands. The creator of all. And that just blows his mind. In verse 29 it says, The jailer called out for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. When he, thought, when he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. When they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all of the others in his house, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. That's crazy. Talk about grace. He already understood grace. But now it's even more redefined. It's perfected. The grace given by human hands is conditional. But the grace given by God is unconditional. And what's crazy is it was a Roman custom as well to not abuse grace. Like, if you abuse grace, you were punished because grace was already given to you. Like, I've already allowed you to live, and now you want to act ungrateful? Off with your head. So they already knew in their mind, like, I, I can't abuse this. This is, this, is my te- this is what I know. I learned to embrace and appreciate what I've been given. So imagine what that looks like and what that would have looked like when he found out about God and the unconditional grace and mercy. And what's crazy is, when he was given the grace by humans, he still felt this shame, this guilt, and all these other things. But when Paul and Silas spoke the word of the Lord to him, he learned that there was this guy, this king, who scorned all of their disgrace, their shame, their guilt on the cross. Because Jesus struggled with all of these things as well. But he clung on to God and understood his liberation. 
And what's crazy is uh, in Luke chapter 22, you don't have to turn there, but uh, Jesus was liberated on all levels, even when facing death. So in Luke chapter 22, verses 66 through 69, um, he's before Pilate, Herod, the elders of the chief priests, basically all his haters. Like, seriously, people were out, like, legitimately hating on Jesus. Like, you think you have haters. No, you don't. (laughs) This man had legitimate, real haters that did everything within their power to kill him because they felt threatened. But this is what I really love about Jesus. Jesus is such a boss. So in verse 66, it says, At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. And (laughs) I always laugh when I read this scripture because uh, I envision Jesus being sassy, but I know Jesus is being serious. So I'm going to read it the way that I think it went down. (laughs) So verse 67, it says, if you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. And Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But look, look, best believe, but from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. This man was facing his death, like his actual death, on, on the road. What happened beforehand, before this, he had the Last Supper, so his, his stomach was full. Then he went to the garden and prayed. Everybody else fell asleep because their stomachs were full. They had the itis, but Jesus was fueled by the Holy Spirit. And clinging on to his father, why? Because he was about to bear your sins individually. Yes, the world sins, but think about yourself and all the things that you have done that were disgraceful, that brought you shame and guilt. He was about to bear these things on. And then he was beaten and beat up, given an unfair uh, trial in the middle of the night, which is also unlawful. And then now he's brought in front of all his haters. And then they ask him crazy questions. And he tells them, listen. You can do all you want to do right now, but just know, when I die, I will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. So do your worst. And that's why I love Jesus, because he's the perfect example. When I face adversity, I should be like, you know what? This is real, but bring it on. I might not be seated at the right hand of God, because that's where Jesus is, but I'll be around him, I'll be in the vicinity. And best believe, I'm going to be hyped. I'm like, yo, I made it. This is crazy. But again, I still have to fight and understand that through Christ, I am liberated. Through his death, he replaced me. Now I have to replace him. Picking up back in verse uh, 35, it says, uh, in Acts, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 35, it says, When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release these men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial. Even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison, now, they, now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. I'm like, dang. Paul, crazy. I'm like, yo, he's, he, he's bold. But it's, well, you have to think about what they endured. Like, they were severely flogged. Paul claimed Roman citizenship, by the way. And it's very unlawful for you to punish a Roman without a fair trial. So the magistrates were in the wrong. Um, 
So they felt shame and guilt and all the other stuff, but uh, they had just endured all these things for the sake of Jesus. For Jesus' sake. So it wasn't like a, a pride of like, I'm cocky, like, nah, I'm a Roman citizen. Take me out. You escort me. No, when they exited out of that jail, they were like, this is the statement. Look what I'm willing to go through for my God. Look what pain I'm willing to endure. Look at the image that I'm willing to sacrifice. The circumstances that I'm willing to put aside for the sake of my Lord and Savior. What are you willing to put aside for your gods? Apollo or Jupiter or Venus or Serena. Wait, no, she plays tennis. Um, <laughs> are you willing to, to go through all these things for your little gods? Look what, I, look what we are willing to do. Because God is so great. Because he has liberated and freed us from all of these things. And in verse, picking it back up in the scriptures in verse 38, the officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they, had, where they met the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Dang. That's crazy. They were willing to go through all of this. They came in to pray. Verse 16 says, once we were at a place going to a, a prayer, then they go through all of these things. And then they go back to Lydia's house, who had just been converted in Philippi. And they encourage the brothers and sisters, and then they leave. They don't just leave right after they get out of jail. No, they go back to their brothers and sisters in the fight with them to show them, to make a declaration this is what you should be willing to go through Amen. for the sake of the almighty God. Amen. Not Apollo, not Jupiter, not Augustus Caesar. Not to say that Augustus Caesar is a bad person completely. He did give you grace and he did allow you to, you and your family to flourish in this town. But that was by human hands. He's like, hey, look, reminisce. The, the jailer had to reminisce on the, the liberation that was bestowed upon him by human hands. But then he was woke and was told about, listen, this is the figure, the almighty being, the creator of everything. This is what he has to offer. Who do you really want to serve now? So remember that feeling of liberation you felt that was bestowed upon you by human hands. Whatever case. You wanted to feel free, but you still held on to your guilt, your shame, your disappointment, so on and so forth. But with Jesus, all of your shame, all of your guilt, all of your chains, they were scorned on the cross when he declared, it is finished. And he was buried, then he woke up, you know, three days later. All of this happened to Jesus so that you could live a shameless, fearless, invigorating life alongside him and his father. And if you aren't a disciple of Christ, Christian, because there is no difference scripturally, I want to encourage you, whoever invited you out, you think you understand grace and liberation? Wait until you see what God has to show you. 
Because God's version of liberation and grace is where we adopted it from in the first place. Because he created it. We've skewed it and messed it up. His is perfect. And if you are a disciple of Christ, stand firm to the end. Day in and day out. It's hard. It's real. You have real life chains. But with Jesus, he freed us all. And let's act like it. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you.